Hey, this is Adam Starling. I'm the senior pastor at Victory Family Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray this message will inspire you, encourage you, and hopefully challenge you to become everything that God has called you to be. Enjoy the message. Good morning, family. How are we doing? Good. Packed house today, man. Thank you guys so much for being here. Those of you in the back, I'm so sorry. Those chairs are hard. I know they are. I sit on them every day. I'm so sorry, but thank you guys so much for being here. Man, we are on what? Number five. Number five experience of the weekend, man. And it has been packed out all weekend long. And so, man, so thankful that you are here. If you're a guest, you don't know me. My name is Matt. I'm the lead pastor here. And really just thankful that you are in this place. If you're a regular, man, we are glad you are here. Uh, Also, we're here to celebrate the the resurrection of our Savior. You see, it was and is the greatest day in the history of the world. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, it's the proof, it's the proof that everything he ever said was true. And so even from those days and decades to come, the disciples and the Apostle Paul would continue to spread the gospel to the known world, claiming that a Savior had come. And when they were met with resistance, because they were, well, they just mentioned the resurrection and that would change, that would change everything because the resurrection was the proof. And so today, even from then, the resurrection, two billion people in our world would claim Jesus as their Lord because of the proof of the resurrection. Don't we love proof? I don't know about you, man, but I, I don't know if this is a good quality or bad quality. I'm a little bit of a skeptic by nature. I just am. Like, I want to see you prove it. Like, I don't really, even when I was a little kid, I remember you always had that kid. It's like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do the backflip. I can jump that ramp. I hit him quick. Prove it. Let me see you do it. Like, I, want, I always want to know true, right? I mean, the cross and the resurrection, it is the greatest story ever told. Everything, if you're a believer in the house, listen to me. Everything hinges in our faith on the resurrection of Christ. Because if there is no resurrection, if there is no resurrection, Jesus is simply a crazed lunatic claiming to be the savior of the world. But if, but if the resurrection is true, well, then everything he said must be true. You see, Easter today, this Sunday, we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. And we're going to get to the resurrection. But before we do, before we get to all of the celebration, before we get to the empty tomb, I do want us to take a walk back and look at the cross. And on our way to the cross, I just think if you and I might look around as we look through a few of these stories or these accounts of Jesus' life, I think you're going to find yourself in this story a couple different times. So you might remember Jesus had the last supper with his disciples and he was betrayed. Like the reason he got captured He was betrayed by one of his own disciples and he was taken into custody and then he was put on trial. He was charged, you might remember, with blasphemy and he was sentenced to death. But the tradition was in that day, Rome would release one criminal. And so Pilate, which was kind of like a governor, asked the people, they stood Jesus next to a known criminal named Barabbas and he asked, who do you want? Who do you want us to release? This known awful criminal or this nice man who simply says he's the king of the Jews. And they shouted, give us Barabbas. Like it didn't make sense. Like why would they, Barabbas was a known criminal. Barabbas was a known thug in the day, but they wanted him to be released. Why? Barabbas deserves this, but why Jesus? Why, why Jesus? Family, this is already a beautiful picture of you and I. Right, Jesus is innocent. We are the guilty one, yet he takes our 
place. Here we are, Barabbas, we are guilty, we are deserving of death, but no, no, Jesus takes our place. Or maybe you even find yourself this morning like the disciples. Man, we are in love with Jesus when all the miracles are happening. In fact, we'll follow Jesus anywhere he wants to go as long as things are going our way and everything is good. But watch out because many of us will distance ourselves when life gets difficult. We will distance ourselves from Christ when, when the things don't go the way we want them to. Or maybe you find yourself maybe like Mary this morning, devastated. You came in devastated, seemingly hopeless for whatever reason. I think you can find yourself in many different people in this story. Surely we can relate to one of the two criminals that are on the cross next to Jesus. The question we have this morning is, which one are you? So let's go to work. Let's go to uh, Luke, the gospel of Luke chapter 23. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 23. We will pick up and read verse 32 through 43. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, that'll be on the screen behind me. But it says this, the two others who were criminals were led away and to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up, offering him sour wine, saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him that said, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him. The other criminal talked to him, rebuked him, saying, what's wrong with you? Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we, though, we're indeedly justly for we're receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man, he's done nothing wrong at all. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. They're about to die. Remember me when you get to your kingdom. And Jesus said back to him, and he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So this Easter, this morning, I want us to look and think through the perspective of the two thieves. The reality is we know little about these guys. We know very little about these guys. The Bible calls them criminals. We know that. There are two men that clearly rebelled against Rome. They were caught in a crime and they were sentenced to death. In this, in this culture, crucifixion wasn't rare at all. They might have seen a hundred crucifixions in that year, but crucifixion, the way it kind of played out is there was a trek. Like when do it in the city, there was a trek, there was a road that they would walk along to this place of the skull, which was outside of the city. And really that, that path was really meant to humiliate the one that's being crucified and really to serve an example to everyone else, else watching. This is what happens when you mess with Rome. Don't you dare betray Rome or you too will get this. And so as both criminals are carrying their cross beam, I just, I just like to think, like, I just wonder, like, what was going on in their head? Because again, remember, they've seen this before. Like, I just wonder, like, what was going through their mind? Because this would have been a much larger crowd than normal. The crowd was certainly more violent, more vocal, screaming at this man named Jesus. They're throwing things at him. They're spitting on him. But then there's others, it's confusing because there's others that are trying to stay close to him, begging and weeping, please save yourself, Jesus. I just wonder if maybe one of them thought, like I've heard of this man. Like, is this what they're talking about? This is Jesus, like I've heard his name. I don't understand why he's such a big deal. I imagine one thief maybe saying, listen, I remember going to these when I was a kid. 
Like it was, a, it was a public thing. People would come to these crucifixions, but maybe say, I never thought this would be my fate. I never thought I'd be carrying my own cross here. Or maybe just the opposite. Like I've seen these before. I've seen even friends crucified before and I knew this was my future hold. I knew this is my fate. Like it's just who I am. But some say this guy was the Messiah. Like if that's the case, why are they putting him to death? So after carrying this instrument of their own death, they were condemned. They would be nailed to this cross through their hands and their feet. But really the worst part of the death was it was slow. They was hanging there naked, publicly shamed. And a lot of times by this time, a lot of people had left, but it would appear this crowd is actually growing because they're killing the one who is called the king of the Jews. And so now they're grasping, both all three of them, grasping for their every breath. But then they notice Jesus saying some really weird stuff, like he's using his last breath that he has to ask God to forgive the ones who are killing him. Like, what kind of man is this? It didn't make any sense. Like, why would he do such a thing? And so they might even think, wait a second, is this the Messiah? Messiah's not new to them. They certainly would have known a Messiah was coming. But I wonder, they start thinking, oh, this is this the Messiah. And so here we are again. They understand, I, I, I deserve this. Maybe if I asked him, maybe if I asked him, would he show mercy on me? And we find ourselves in the story again. We are the thief. We have sinned. We have violated the law of God. And honestly, here's the truth. We all deserve death. And so on this Easter weekend, I want us to process maybe what we can learn from these criminals, these thieves that were on the cross. Number one, I think we can learn to ask questions and to have faith. Maybe you've never heard that before. I think we ought to take something from these guys. You need to ask questions, but have faith. And so look at verse 39. 39 says, one of the criminals who was hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself. So one of the thieves wanted to know, are you not the Messiah? Like it might even feel kind of disrespectful. Are you not who they say that you are? Like, like what are you doing up here? Like if you're the one, the king of them all, like why don't you come off that cross? And I know us, man, we're a couple thousand years later. We can easily judge this man, but goodness, he's been beaten. He's been bloodied and tortured a lot like Jesus was. He's in pain. He's completely without hope. And come on, don't we go there sometimes too? Like if you've walked with the Lord for any length of time, haven't you found yourself saying, if you are the Messiah, why can't you seem to save my marriage? Like, if you are the Messiah, like, why do I keep battling this depression for 20 years? Like, if you truly are the Messiah, like, why is it that anxiety is around every single corner for me? Like, if you're the Messiah, why is it that I'm the only one that suffers? My friends sure don't. My family doesn't. Like, why, God? I follow you. I believe everything in here. Like, why, 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 why? So it's in our moments, I think, of pain and hopelessness, in our confusion, in our lack of understanding, we do often say, if you're him, like, can you just help me here? Like, it may seem disrespectful to you today, and you maybe heard that before, but I actually want to encourage you to ask those questions. I want to encourage you to ask the questions in the midst of your pain, like it's okay to ask these questions. But I also want to encourage you to do it like the second man who's got faith in the midst of his questions. So you see, both men are asking questions. But one's actually, it appears, trying to find the truth. He understood, I'm getting what has deserved me. 
But if Jesus is who he says he is, like, I'll put my faith in that. I don't know. Maybe he can save me. The truth is he couldn't possibly understand much about Jesus. Do you agree with me? Like, I don't know how he would know much at all. Like, he didn't understand deep theology. I don't see anywhere in Scripture that he was baptized. Like, he couldn't know much at all. He didn't serve. He didn't drive no golf cart. Like, he didn't work in the kids all way. This brother didn't do anything. I don't know about for you, but he has, he has faith. I don't know about for you, but maybe before you had kids or if you are a parent, like you said to yourself and your spouse, you said, honey, every question these kids ask, man, we're going to answer. You didn't know how many questions there'd be. Why, 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 why this, why this, why this? Finally, because I said so. And suddenly you turn into your father that you never thought you would be. Some people say that there's no dumb question. That's not true. There's some really dumb questions, man. Just last uh, Friday, I was mowing a lady's yard and, and I was sitting on a mower uh, behind another mower on a lawn trailer and a neighbor comes over and he comes up to the side looking through the three weed eaters that are right there and he's looking through and he sees me and he says, you out here mowing today? I just said, no, sir. Looking for a race. You got a mower? Let's run them. There are no dumb questions. No, there are. But I would say this, when you're working through your faith, with Jesus. I think ask every question you can possibly think of. You need to question things. Listen, family, I'm not anti-deconstruction. Like that's this new kind of trendy word that's actually an old word where you may hear it now today as the people are deconstructing their faith and you watch people walking away from their faith. But just for me, what I found is this. Most people that have, are deconstructing oftentimes are leaving the faith due to the fact they were never taught the gospel in the first place. They were taught some sort of God wants you to be healthy and wealthy nonsense that's not in the Bible at all. So they find themselves not getting their way and so they're deconstructing. Or maybe their lifestyle doesn't line up with the scriptures or their opinions so they've deconstructed. But again, I'm not anti-deconstruction at all. I'm actually for it in a really healthy way. Listen, I think we're far better, you and I both, We are far better if we will sit down with one another and we'll take this whole thing apart and we put it back together. I mean, think about it. One of the greatest moments in church history was in the 1500s when Martin Luther wrote the 95 Theses Statements to the Catholic Church. Those 95 statements really were pointing out all that was wrong with the church. Luther was a monk that essentially deconstructed the Catholic Church at the time, which really is the beginning of the Reformation, and it changed the trajectory of the church forever and for the better. My point is not to debate anything that Martin Luther said, but my point is questions can be really, really healthy. So I'm going to ask these questions, which I encourage. I'm going to start here. I'm going to start with this is God's word. This is his body. So I'm not going to ask those questions away from those things. So don't find yourself deconstructing apart from the voice of God or the body of Christ. Because deconstruction and isolation do not go hand in hand. Now, you certainly are going to need some time alone with Jesus. But yeah, question the practice of the church all you want. I think that's healthy. I'd rather you not nail something to our door out front, but like I think you add question the practices of the church like you ought to. But while you do that, stay in community with healthy, mature believers who can help you navigate those difficult questions. Stay in God's word, get alone with Jesus and ask all these questions. Remember C.S. Lewis? You remember his story? 
Like his story literally is he tried to walk away from God to question all these things to the point that he actually is where he found Christ and asking all of these questions. So sure, deconstruct all you want, but do it to be more faithful to God not so you can be more true to yourself. Listen to me. To follow Jesus is to die to yourself daily. Like if I'm going to follow Jesus, like I must die to myself daily. I have a friend on Facebook. We went to high school together, but I haven't talked to her in a year. I've seen her in 20 years. We talk back and forth on Facebook, but she sent me a message the other day and about a month ago, actually, and asked my opinion on a few things. And I wrote her about 95 thesis statements in the, in the agenda back. I had no idea I was being set up. Didn't know that was going on at all. But she, she responded, okay, okay, uh, will you listen to my podcast? I thought, oh, you got a podcast. That's cool. And so I said, I'd love to. And so I jumped on this podcast. It was done really well. Like, it was really cool. It sounded good. Music was good. I really enjoyed listening to this podcast. Now, I'm not certain I agreed with one thing in an hour and a half. I'm going to be honest. But I enjoyed listening to this podcast. And this is not what you would say. You're not going to search by Christian like it's a Christian podcast. But all four of these, who are all incredible, all would say they are Christians. And the, and the guy who kind of started the conversation, like a, kind of the thesis of where we're going to land this thing in this podcast, he said something just like this. He said, there's no way. There is no way that God doesn't want you to be yourself. What? Like, that's exactly what he wants you to be, not yourself. Like, what do you suppose die to yourself daily means? Like, what do you think that means? And listen, can we be honest? Like, our true self is really selfish, amen? Like, it's really selfish. People all the time say, I'm trying to find the true me. I would say, stop it. I would say, stop. Like, I don't want a better version of me. Why? Because I know me. Me trying to be more like me as a wretched sinner. No, 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 no. I want more of Jesus. The last thing this church needs is more of Matt on this platform. We need more Jesus in this place. So listen, family, I'm confident. Ask all the questions you want. I'm so confident in the power and the presence and the word of God. Man, you get along with his word. You get constantly stay in connection with other believers. I'm telling you, ask those questions and you will come out better on the other side stronger in your faith on the other side. You can call it deconstructing, call it whatever you want to call it. But I say, by all means, ask those questions. And so those of you that maybe you're new to this whole thing, maybe you're new to the whole church thing and this whole Jesus thing, and you're questioning and you are full of doubts. Let me tell you that's okay, number one. And you may find yourself like either one of these on the crosses beside. Please understand, he will save you too. He will save you, regardless of what your background says. He will save you. Look at verse 40. Verse 40 says, But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, though us, we indeed justly, for we're receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man, he's done nothing wrong. Like, I love this so much. Again, this criminal. He was guilty. He was getting, according to the law, exactly what he deserved. He was, he was bloody. He was beaten. He was hanged naked on the cross. I don't know that a day could get much worse. Like he's literally in the, the muck, in the shame of all of it, and there's Jesus saving him in the middle of that, in his sin. No time to go clean himself up. 
No time to go get baptized. No time to go volunteer to serve in a church. He's saving him in the midst of his sin. No time to go learn theology. Like, why do I believe what I believe? Saved because he believes Jesus simply is who he says he is. And Jesus saves him right there on the cross. We say the word saved all the time in the church. Were you saved? Are you saved? This person saved? What does it even mean to be saved? It means you are saved from your sin. You are now free from bondage. You are saved from an eternity away from the Lord. It means he saved you. Now your sin is cast as far as the east is from the west. I've always thought the most arrogant thing that one can say is my sin is greater than the sacrifice. No, no, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, 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 you don't understand the cross. The cross is bigger. It's bigger than anything. I don't care what your resume says. I don't care what your past, your history says. The cross is bigger and it covers, the Bible says, a multitude of sins. The greatest miracle ever in the history of the world is that God can forgive a lifetime of sin in an instant. And you do nothing to get that. He does that all by himself because the sacrifice was already made. Oh, come on. That seems too easy for you. You think there's not anything easy about the cross. It's easy for us. Listen, we can't earn it. You can't earn it. So stop looking at my track record, Pastor. You don't know me. Listen to what I've done. Listen to what I've been through. You can't earn it anyway. It's all about him. If you could earn it, this thing would suddenly be about you. But it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It's still about Jesus, and it will continue to be about Jesus. So the thief there, he learned. He learned that Jesus would save him, but he also learned, don't wait. Don't wait. Look at, look at the verse 42 and 43. He said, and, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you today, today you will be with me in paradise. If you're not careful, man, if you just took that scripture, it almost feels like it's teaching the opposite, that we can wait to this deathbed kind of conversion. Yeah, it appears God's grace is big enough to save people on their deathbed. But I believe his will is that you would enjoy this abundant life he wants for you here on this earth. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But he said, I come. I come that you may have life and have it in abundance. I personally, I've been in ministry for a long time, and I have. And I've prayed with people on their deathbed where family members have asked me to come. These people didn't know the Lord forever. And I'd come in and I'd pray. And this is what I feel like I've seen happen a couple different times. Man, I would pray, they would pray, and I feel like God saved them two hours before they died. I've seen it. I don't know exactly what happened. That's what I feel happened. I watch it happen. And there's part of me that's like, oh my goodness. I mean, that's incredible. The extreme amount of grace that our God have. You don't have that. <laughs> I don't have that. If, you've, if I've rejected you forever and that's your last day, you don't forgive so easy. But that's our God. So on one hand, I'm like, that's remarkable. The grace of God is remarkable, but it's also really tragic to me. It's also really tragic to me that they never realized their God-given purpose here on this earth. Like it's kind of sad to me that they never got to enjoy a lifetime of peace living under the blessings of God. It's like they missed it. They missed it. Goodness, I don't want to miss it. And I don't want you to miss it. I just imagine, so I believe in the sovereignty of God. And I believe that God saved that criminal when he chose to save that criminal. 
But I don't know why my mind just goes like this. I just like to think like, what if he'd have learned about Jesus a couple years before? Like imagine that he would have had a life changing encounter with Jesus. Like what if he could have been in the crowd when Jesus fed the 5,000? He'd have been like, oh, this may be the Messiah. Like I just, I just wonder in that moment, like would he have understood that Jesus was the savior of the world? Like imagine he'd have gave up his criminal ways a few years earlier. I don't know, could he have been a disciple? Oh, what he gave up. Oh, the stuff that he missed here on this life. Let me beg you not to wait any longer for a couple of reasons. Number one, the truth is the reality is we do not know the time or the hour he comes back. And if you know me, you know I'm not scare tactic preacher. That's just the reality. We don't know the time of the hour when he decides to shut this whole thing down. We don't know when that is. And ultimately, you, you miss the abundant life that he has for you today. Because if you find yourself just following Jesus to stay out of hell, I would contend I'm not certain you're following Jesus at all. Like if you just think, I'm gonna do this thing so I get that get out of hell free car, so to speak, right? Like I just don't know that you're actually following Jesus because we follow Jesus because he is the son of God. We follow Jesus because he is the savior of the world. I follow Jesus because he sent his son to die for me. And maybe if you say, I don't know Jesus, I just assume that I'll live my life how I want to and I'll get saved in the end. I don't know, maybe, but I'm telling you, you will miss an incredible life better than you've ever dreamed of because with Jesus, things are just better. It just is, man. Life is just better when you have Jesus. I think I'm a better parent. I'm not perfect but I think I'm better because I have Jesus. I think I'm a better spouse because I know Jesus. I'm a better neighbor because I know Jesus. A life with Jesus makes every part of your life better. Not easier, I didn't say that. Don't buy that lie. It's not easier, but it's just better because I wake up tomorrow, you wake up tomorrow, I'm full of purpose. I'm just full of purpose, so life gets better. And Jesus promised this man today, today you will be with me in paradise. And so you know how the story continues. Man, all three men on those crosses would eventually, pretty quickly, take their last breath. But Jesus' story wasn't over. Three days later, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and it was open and Jesus wasn't there. He had risen. Not in the scriptures, but read some history books. You'll be hard-pressed to find anyone who doesn't believe a man named Jesus was killed, crucified, buried on a cross, put into a tomb and rolled away and he wasn't there. You'll find some accounts, someone took his body and all that stuff, but everyone knows Jesus died on a cross. You just have to decide, is he the savior of the world? And the proof is in the resurrection. It's the proof, the proof that Jesus is the son of God, that every word he said is true, that he came and he died for you. You remember the cross is all about Jesus, it is. Don't get that mixed up. But he set this whole thing up that you and I might reap the benefit of the cross. I heard a guy on Twitter talking about this and it made me think, in that day, it's just, just crazy. That story, I love that story. Today you'll be with me in paradise. So one moment he's literally about to die. And then I don't know how long, if it's a minute or five minutes or 20 minutes, but, but next he's in paradise with, with the Lord. And just imagine him walking up to the, to the gates, I guess, right? There's pearly gates, walking up to the gates. I don't know who's guarding those gates. It's angels or it's Peter. I don't know who's down there. But you just imagine him walking up to that gate and the gatekeeper, he's like, wait a second. What are you here for? 
you take a wrong turn. I, I, yesterday, your name went in this book. Like, I, I don't see why you're here. Like, can you tell me why you're here? Like, I need a little count. Like, why I'm letting you in? Like, why? You serve in the church? No, sir. When did you get baptized? Never. I saw some baptisms as I drove by and threw things at them. <laughs> did you serve the kids' ministry in your church? No, sir. None, none of that. Let me go get a supervisor. I'll be right back, right? Let's, let's see your education. Like, sure, you know a little something, right? Like, can we at least talk about, do you know the doctrine of justification? Never heard of it. And I can just imagine, like, this is imaginary, right? But like, they're like, what are you talking about then? Like, why do you think you would get in here? Like, what in the world? You didn't do anything. There are no good works in your life. Why would you get in here? And the man didn't know what to say. He says, the guy in the middle cross, it was the guy, I, just, I, don't, I remember it. The guy on the middle cross said, I get to be here. It was the guy on the middle cross that said, I get to be here. Listen, family, it ain't about your works. It's not about all the good stuff you've done. If you only go there and get there because the guy on the middle cross said, you get to come. So here we are today. Easter morning, man, we talk about it and we understand this man came and he died for the sins of the world, died a brutal death, hung on a cross, and then three days later, he rose again. You and I have to do something with that. Like, I don't know that we can just walk out of here. Like, you get to decide. I think God gives you some, 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 some choice here. Like, what do you do with that? But a story like that, it's not a fairy tale. Like you have to do something with that. That he came and he longs to be your savior. And listen to me, family. Again, it's so easy. It's so easy for you to think you don't know what I've done. He doesn't ask for your background. Incredible, he doesn't do a background check on you for some of us, right? Aren't you thankful? Like your God doesn't look in your past. Like it's mind-boggling to think that now, God, because I'm saved, I'll talk about myself, because I'm saved, that he looks down out of heaven, he doesn't see the wretched sinner that I actually am. But he sees the perfection of Christ. That's Christ that's imputed his righteousness to me. And so you ju I just think, man, when the gospel is presented in a way, when the Bible explains to us, you just got to do something with it. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God just to move on our hearts. And we'll continue today. Father God, we love you. We do thank you, God. We thank you for the very clear example here in Scripture, God, that you will save us. God, that there's no waiting period. There's no time period. We got to pass to make sure you want us. You long to adopt us as your sons and daughters. So those of us in the room who know you, God, can, that, can, that, can, can you make that where that just doesn't ever get old? God, can you make that where it just stings this morning? Like we just know how thankful we are for salvation and what you've done for us. And those of us in the room that would say, man, we don't really know you. God, my prayer is that, God, you would give us a spirit of ready and not to wait. That we may getting to live that life, God, that you gave us abundantly. And so with your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you would say that. Maybe if you were honest today, you would say, I don't know him. I don't know him as Lord. But I don't know, maybe in, in, a, in a way today, you'd never heard the gospel presented in that way that to understand that he did come and die for you, for you, not just for your kids, 
Mom, Dad, listen, he came to die for you. For you. And the Bible says that he would woo you to himself. And so maybe today it's just different for you. Man, your heart is stirred in a way where you just say, man, I don't know a lot about this, but a man that would come and live and die that I wouldn't have to, man, I want that. And so you make that decision, man, I wanna wanna live for you, Lord. So maybe you've never said that before, man. You know a lot about church. You know a lot about this religion thing, but you don't know him as savior. And so Daya, that's you. Well, just slip up your hand. Man, I want want to follow Jesus. Just slip up your hand. And today's my day. Yeah, today's my day. Come into my life, Lord. Let's figure this thing out. Why don't we all pray this prayer together? Pray this way, Father God. Thank you for saving me. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent of my sins from this day forward. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, I want to encourage you to like it or share it on social media and tag at VFC underscore Newcastle. If you haven't already, download the Victory Family Church app to stay connected with everything that's happening throughout the week. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome week.